Hello, I'm Maddie. This episode sucked. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ryan. Uh, this episode sucked, but I am going to say that, you know what? It's I do not blame anybody that's on the production team of X-Men I Evolution. Either. I don't at all. They were fucked. I blame Fox. Or, was it Fox? It was Warner Brothers. Was actually, it really? Right? Okay. I don't know. Let's let's uh, google I'll throw in the intro music here but before i do i'm gonna say that welcome to the mutant ages this is a show where we review every adaptation of the x-men we just started watching the rushed season finale of x-men evolution and we're sad and that's what you're gonna get today bitch <laughs> we're sad back when we were young we experienced a change this because i'm curious about who we should be angry at for real it's kids wb it's wb okay so it is warren brothers yes and the reason why i remember it being on wb is that after x-men evolution was that short-lived two-season series called lunatics unleashed where it was like the looney tunes except they were like serious characters and they were all badass and in space what yeah, it featured like bugs lola daffy taz wiley coyote okay. and roadrunner but they were like sci-fi versions of themselves it was like looney tunes does batman beyond huh that's crazy <laughs> okay so this episode like oh, wh- I, I guess we have I, to do previously on the x-men i guess we have to we should talk about mesmero at the very least because he's reintroduced here so in previously on the x-men they show us a lot actually it's a very long previously on the x-men i don't know if you watched it but it's like several right. plot points are shown so, like, it shows Mesmero, who is basically this character who's not normally involved in the resurrection of Apocalypse, but in this show, for whatever reason, it's fucking Mesmero. I, I don't... They, they chose him over Mr. Sinister. That's kind of the yeah, vibe. Yeah, sure. Whatever. I. It's so random. So, Mesmero is the guy who's been um, orchestrating all of this by using his mind control powers. And so, and also using his regular convincing powers. Like that's how he gets Mystique and Rogue on board. They are not mind controlled. Mystique did this of her own accord. And they show Mystique turning into stone as part of the process for unlocking Apocalypse's tomb. She didn't know that was going to happen, but we get to see that again. And then we see, um, we, we hear rather mastermind's line about um apocalypse being the most powerful mutant ever and then we hear xavier's line about how apocalypse is planning to turn all humans into mutants which that's actually important like we kept questioning that and being like is that really what his motivation is on this show and it is and it's it's explicitly revealed in this episode and they explain how it's going to work um, and they explain why it's bad, which was helpful because when I was watching this intro, I once again was like, why is that bad? 
bad. They actually explain why. And the short answer is it's not really going to work and it's going to kill a lot of people. Then also in the previously on, they show us the apocalypse domes. So basically apocalypse has been going to various pyramids around the world, um, in China, in um, Mexico, in Egypt, obviously. And then also the Sphinx has a secret pyramid and a secret cavern underneath it. Those are kind of his four cool places. Um, I guess it's like the pyramids of Giza and then also the fucking Sphinx, which is like a block away. But for some reason, those are two different locations (laughs) in this show. Um, And then he is putting these massive like spheres like the show calls them domes but they're actually technically spheres that are underground as well that are like purple and glowing and they can't be penetrated i actually don't know why those are there now that i'm saying this you know (laughs) now that you pointed out i don't really know either Oh my god okay speaking of which i have a lot of questions about this episode too like as we go through they're not gonna be answered because this show unfortunately was not like it was, oh, it was. I like how I said it in such an authoritative tone, and then as I was saying it, I was like, "Wait a second. <laughs> if they'd had more time, I think they actually could have explained everything. I believe that of them. You know, like I think they probably had an idea for the domes. I agree. I, I mean, they planned to at least have a couple more seasons. There is the concept artwork for Emma Frost and psylocke out there i know and there's the concept art for like super dikey dark phoenix which looks so fucking cool like she was gonna cut off all of her hair like looking amazing and badass as dark phoenix i know i am so upset this did not happen i agree and i really hope they somehow get to revisit this in the future at some point we are going to start a change.org petition like you and me we are bringing the mutant ages all of our listeners will sign it yeah all of our (laughs) listeners every single other person we know will sign it they absolutely had plans to continue this show and they couldn't and that is why this episode is very clunky and for what it's worth the pieces that i mean everything in this is rushed it's not going to be as rushed as the real series finale the next episode next week you mean yeah because they like have a lot of plot points that they either choose that they're gonna wrap up in a two-second dialogue or not wrap up at all yeah like for example wanda is not going to get her memories back because they didn't have time to do that and that is unfortunate i know but even in this episode i actually feel like they are trying with that storyline because there's a specific moment with wanda I feel like I can see how hard they're trying and I feel so bad for them. Like there are parts of this episode that I wouldn't necessarily say they're good, but they're impressive to me because I'm like, they're really trying to wrap up as much as they possibly can in no fucking time. You you know, also this happened to Young Justice before it canceled the first time. And those last two episodes were just so clunky and every character was suddenly there. I I mean, that's what happens here. That's exactly what happens here. But in a way it is impressive though, because it's like, they are wrapping up as much as they possibly can. And right. they actually answer more questions than I would have expected them to. However, there are still so many more. So the last thing in the previously on that's important is that Nick Fury was ordered by the U.S. government to take um, Trask out of jail. Yeah. And Nick Fury is like really pissed off about it. But he's basically like, I'm being ordered to allow you to reinstate your Sentinel program to kill mutants, basically only to fight Apocalypse. Yeah, he's like, and I fucking hate this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> which is the energy that Nick Fury is bringing in this entire episode. And I love it, actually. But Nick Fury is so mad. He's just like, listen, I love mutants. My boyfriend's a mutant. I don't like what's happening. I'm so mad constantly. I'm I'm here for it. I respect Nick Fury, even though he is technically doing the wrong thing because he's being ordered to. And also, we do get a quick shot of Mystique push, being pushed off the cliff by Rogue, being murdered, or so we think, uh, and shattering into a billion pieces while Nightcrawler screams no at it. We get that in the previously on as well. It's very sad. Oh. So that's everything we need to know. Rogue killed her mother, Mystique, while Mystique was a statue. Everybody thinks she's dead. Everybody thinks Magneto is dead. But that's not entirely true. Well, actually, I would say they do die. It's just that they get resurrected later. Well, I, Ish. I also had questions about Mystique and her death because it wasn't the same as Magneto or soon to be Xavier and Storm. But like yes. where they get teleported away and I'm like, did Mystique well, get... Well, no, because um, Magneto dies the same way that Xavier and Storm do. He explodes into glitter. That's what, that's what I'm saying. But that doesn't happen to Mystique. Mystique turns to stone and is still conscious in there. Yeah. And then she breaks apart. And I'm like, well, wait, at what point did Apocalypse get her? I don't know. I, I feel like if I were Apocalypse in that scenario, I would secretly go back to the gazebo in the middle of the night and reconstitute the stone, I guess. Oh my with my God. With my fucking telekinesis, I would, I would reconstitute the entire statue. And then bring her back to life, I'm guessing. I'm just guessing. It's like, how did Xavier not know that was happening? Like, fucking Apocalypse swings by the mansion, puts back together the statue with his powers. Like, what? How does nobody know that happened? I don't know. It's it's absolutely insane. This episode doesn't explain really very much. And it's not the creator's fault. Okay, we are such fans of this show. Like, we have truly only good things to say, like, week after week. Yeah, I think of all the X-Men series, this is still my favorite, by far. It's incredibly good. I've enjoyed so much of it, and that's part of what makes this this two-parter so heartbreaking to watch, because I'm watching it, and I'm just like, they deserved better, you know? Like, right. they, the characters deserve better, and the creators deserve better. I am saying the characters are real people. Anyway, um, the title card for the opening scene, I'm just diving into it because we got to get through it, I guess. That's fine. I mean, that, I was just kind of like standing here being like, well, at some point, checking watch, we will get through the recap of the entire <laughs> fucking show and then we'll be able to actually do this. And I'm glad you took it because I was going to be like, fuck it. Let's not do it previously on the X-Men this week because it's like, well, so what's happened in the past four seasons? <laughs> well, we don't need to go over all of that. All we really needed to know was that Mesmero is unlocking Apocalypse's tomb and he's here now. Right. So we go to Egypt and we get to see um, Apocalypse's teleportation device appearing in the sky. He's coming back from China, I guess. And he like uses his teleportation device to like shoot a beam into the ground that clears away a bunch of sand to reveal a pyramid and then it lands on a landing pad on top of the pyramid and there's all this dramatic music. I don't actually feel like the scene needs to be here, but it's it fine. Doesn't, it's also a really long scene. It is quite long. The only reason why it's here is because they didn't get a chance to reveal this fourth pyramid or fourth base in an episode that was... Because each one has kind of had its time developing. And they're like, yeah. we now have to introduce everything to finish Apocalypse's story in two seconds. And it's yeah. like, oh, shit. And so that's when we go back to Mesmero, who's... By the way, he's just in his old circus tent. Yes. He didn't really go into hiding. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. I do. It's like he's literally just in the circus tent, which I don't... 
again no time to explain this and also like the scene is insane because he's also reading a newspaper that says third mysterious dome appears and he goes ah! <laughs> and he reads it out loud and i'm he like he reads it out loud to no one and laughs for like 10 minutes it's like why are you laughing like I that don't know. and then wolverine shows up suddenly which is like we didn't even know wolverine was coming here like how did wolverine know mesmero was here like there's no time i will the guess is that xavier gene put on cerebro and figured I it guess, out i guess i guess so then logan slices through the tent also what do you mean like how did they know he was here he didn't leave okay. he just went You're back right. to his tent i don't know why the circus has been in bayville for approximately two years at this point but it's still here <laughs> It's just an evil circus on the edge of town. So then, <laughs> that's like, that just sounds like an old eight, like an old map from like an eight-bit video game where you're going from world to world, and it's like you're going across a Mario map or whatever. It's like right here is like a hill. It's like here's the evil circus. Here's the evil circus that just lives here. Yeah. And next to it is a castle. And it's like also there's the three domes that are opening around the world, uh, and we're yeah. gonna have to like go onto the world map and like ride our dirigible over to the three domes. Like that's a there is a game. video game vibe here. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So Logan enters very dramatically and he picks up one of the posters on the wall with the symbol of the hand that has the eye on it. Um, and he says a stupid line where he's like, I can read palms too, bub, and your future ain't looking too good. And I was like, Logan, why are you talking? Like, I, yeah. <laughs> well, Logan has never been a man for jokes. So there's that. Yeah, I know. He's bad at By them. the way, I looked up this hand with an eye on it. This may be the only thing in the episode that's even worth talking about. So I, I will talk about it because I think I got this wrong last time we talked about Mesmero because there were a bunch of different Mesmero logos that in that episode. And I thought it was the Illuminati eye because I was like trying to Google eye symbols and I was like, what are they going for here? So it's actually the evil eye which is totally different and is a super ancient symbol from so many different cultures, which is actually like really cool. Yeah. If people want a fun Google search. It's basically the stink eye. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Yes. Where it's like, it is the eye that both symbolizes the idea of evil, but also in different cultures can symbolize warding off evil. Yes. So it's kind of like a duality symbol, right. which is really neat. And I feel like they were trying to go for something ancient here. I mean, with all the different pyramids that we that are still mysterious to us. Also, a similarly fun Google search. That's basically what Apocalypse represents is like this idea of this sort of ancient misunderstood being that uh, we we don't we can't possibly fathom because we just don't have the records of what these things really mean. Right. So I was like, OK, that makes a lot more sense than the Illuminati symbol. Although I like this other idea that in Doctor Strange, too. It turns out that that's not Xavier. It turns out to be Mesmero. It's like, <laughs> it's fucking Patrick Stewart with green face paint on. Playing Mesmero. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> People would lose their minds, including us. They wouldn't even know who the fuck Mesmero is, except for X-Men fans. Okay, we would know who it is and we would be laughing. Okay, but we would fall in the category of X-Men fans. So I honestly feel like your average X-Men fan doesn't know who Mesmero is. Like he's that not. That is not true. Like, would you expect him to be in the Illuminati and in the Doctor Strange movie? Like, would you no, have... I would not expect that. I wouldn't expect anyone to have immediate recall of Mesmero. At this point, I'm like, I'm questioning if that scene with the Illuminati is even in Doctor Strange or if they just shot this like fake scene just to like get everybody riled up to go to the movie and they're like actually none of that's there I don't believe that I don't either anyway anyway <laughs> clearly we'd rather talk about Doctor Strange in this episode but we need to get through we it we have three months before that we've got to wait we have to be patient okay so then 
Mesmero literally just runs away, which is insane because he could have mind controlled Logan, but he doesn't. He just runs away. I don't know. Mind controlling Logan seems like a lot of work. But yeah, actually, that's a good point. And also, Gene turns out to be secretly waiting outside and starts flinging him around. And Gene is now mega powerful, which I actually do like how powerful Gene is in these episodes. I mean, she's been growing in power the past couple seasons. Also, she's like an adult woman now in terms of how she's being animated, which is part of why I was a little bit like side-eyeing the fact that she and Logan are on this mission alone together. I thought the same thing. I was like, okay, so now Jean's catching "Mm, up to him in age. I I see what's going on here. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, they are working together Scott's not anywhere in sight. Scott's barely in this. He is barely in this, and he's very awkward. Okay, when Scott's he is also in barely it. in the next episode too. They just decided they had nothing left for Scott because they were going to do a whole Star Jammers thing with him, and they I believe didn't it. have time to introduce it. So they're like, just put him in the background. That's where he goes yeah. now. Look, honestly, Ryan, everyone's in the background. This episode doesn't have time for literally any character at all. Like. Whatever. Anyway, so she descends from the sky really fucking badass. I'm treasuring the few moments we get that are cool. And this is one of them. And she's like, hello, Mesmero. I'm going to fucking kill you. And he's like, <laughs> you're too late. Evolution is upon us and there's nothing you can do to stop I was like, it. Did he really say that? He did. He like turned the camera. He's like, evolution. X-Men evolution, that is. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Like, oh, shut the fuck <laughs> up. Um, then we get the intro. Uh, there's a, Okay, this next scene, though, I did enjoy it because it's like Xavier be as shitty as possible. They just like completely went full I know. charge ahead. Like he is evil. Like Xavier is just like, I don't give a shit anymore. I have no belief in any laws. Here's what's happening. So Jean has scanned Mesmero's mind. I liked that Xavier let her do that, by the way, because she's so powerful now that she's the one who's like, yeah, I'll scan his mind. I just like that they did that without even explaining it. Well, I did have questions as to why Xavier didn't want to go into Mesmero's mind initially because that seems to be his motive, right? Well, he does do it later, though. And so I think what this scene is supposed to indicate for real is that Jean is powerful now and that she is done growing up because there's no time for them to play out that story in full. So this is just them giving her a moment. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, no, it, I right. felt like that's what the show was trying to do because they have no time. You're right. So they're like, let's just go ahead and say Jean is a badass now. Sorry, we didn't get to animate it. <laughs> I know that at the very end of the series, they do a glimpse of her turning into a phoenix. So I think mm-hmm. they wanted to have some foreshadowing, something, some sort of like base for why she's so powerful. Yeah. Jean starts off by being like, I scanned his mind. But from what I can tell, Apocalypse abandoned him. And Mesmer is yeah, like okay. sobbing and he's like, no, he'll be back. <laughs> Every single X-Men standing on this tiny platform in Cerebro also. Yes. I'm like, why is everyone in this room? And so, OK, I'm going to tell you what I wrote down and then you can translate to the listeners what was actually said okay great xavier's <laughs> like we need information from you and mesmero's like no and xavier's like i will go into your mind too but i will fucking make it a torture session unlike gene gray <laughs> that actually is basically what he says i mean like that is what he says and then mesmero's like apocalypse will trigger the x genes into every person on the planet most people will evolve and storm goes what the fuck do you mean most and mesmero goes the others will die. And yes. Beast, and then Beast Arbitrary is like, wait, 
what the fuck does this have to do with all these pyramids? <laughs> and Mesmero's just like, the wrath of apocalypse is coming. I love how they don't explain that. They like, don't. he's just in the background, like, um, what's up with the pyramids <laughs> and the domes? And like Mesmero himself is like, I'm a representative for kids WB and I can't tell you that and you need to stop asking. And Beast is like, are you fucking kidding me right now? It's and hilarious. Then Xavier goes, listen, bitch, apocalypse <laughs> isn't even your main concern anymore because I'm here and I'm going to go in your mind and fuck everything up because I'm the true threat to this planet. Basically, yeah. I forget what he actually says there, but it's something along those lines. He just says, apocalypse isn't your concern, not right now. And then he just puts his hands on Mesmero's head and and starts torturing him. And he looks at all the images of the pyramids and then he sees, I guess, the future or like what apocalypse wants to happen. I mean, I don't know what it's. He sees like a little bit of the future and he sees a little bit of the domes, the pyramid in which Xavier comes out. He's like, I went into his head and discovered there's three pyramids. It's like, we already fucking knew that, Xavier. Yeah, I know. He just comes back out. He's like, it's all powered by Apocalypse and he's ready now. And it's like, <laughs> we already knew that. Well, I think the thing is that they discovered that the, the Sphinx was like the main source of power. I guess. And that I guess the Sphinx was created by Apocalypse to be his little energy dome or his energy whatever that tomb he puts himself in it's all connected to that yeah that's what xavier truly discovers sure and also i guess the sphinx um home base and then also the three pyramids around the world are going to turn somehow those pyramids are going to cause lightning to rain down from the sky and turn people into mutants or kill them yeah like that's all we really need to know about the domes is that that's what they're going to do but we already knew that we knew that from moment one okay i wrote down xavier screams there are three pyramids powered by the Sphinx in which everyone else says yeah we already fucking knew that Xavier why did you have to torture Mesmero and Xavier's like I can't talk I've gotta go I can't answer these accusations yeah and he just (laughs) rolls out of the room and everybody is just like okay I guess when they follow him okay Xavier's doing that thing he does okay so I'm gonna just start this scene out by saying uh Jean looks concerned so she follows Storm and Xavier who are getting onto the Blackbird yeah and this is a scene in which Jean has starts to have a meltdown about Xavier getting getting lost and or dying at Apocalypse's hand. And I'm like, why does Jean Grey care? I think it's because in this scene, Xavier basically tells her, I'm on a suicide mission right now and you're in charge after this. Like me and Storm are basically going to die and you, a person who is a child essentially still, is going to be in charge of the X-Men. Not Logan, because he's also basically a child. Or Scott, which I thought was really interesting that they Me didn't too. go in the direction where... At first, I didn't like it. I was like, what? why is Jean Grey going to be the person that Xavier is going to be having this emotional moment with and not Scott? Because it's always Scott. But then I kind of But like, I kind of liked it. Yeah, I like how... For the reason that you just said, we're... Instead of putting Scott in charge, it puts Gene in charge. Because mm-hmm. honestly, Scott has not been a good leader, but he's Gene not. Has. But also, I think that that's part of what's going to be interesting. Well, I say that as though it's going to happen. It's not. But that's part of what was going to be interesting was that Gene would be in charge, but then the stress of it would also cause her to go full Phoenix mode. And that would be her arc in season whatever, five. Well, okay. But here's the thing, though. At the end of the series, it revealed that after Xavier was going to quote unquote die for a while mm-hmm. that Magneto was going to take over the X-Men. Yeah. Just like the end of TAS. Yes. I mean, 
We can talk about that next week. In the comic books, it always goes in this direction where Magneto eventually takes over the X-Men because eventually the X-Men are like, Xavier, why are we doing this? Like, yeah. why are we not fighting back? Anyway, I wrote down the dialogue for this scene because I thought some of it was actually kind of interesting for Jean. I did too. This is one of those moments that I did enjoy with this episode, even though it was weird. Yeah, I mean, I still like the show, you know? Like, I still want resolution for the characters and I'll take where They're I can get. You're doing the best with the dialogue that they can here, yeah. considering that they have no time to actually I do know. dialogue. So Jean confronts him and she's like, you're going to go to Apocalypse, aren't you? And Xavier's like, yes. And she's like, after he killed your ex-boyfriend, he's going to kill you too. <laughs> and Xavier's like, Magneto attacked him. I'm going to suck up to him. I mean, communicate with oh him. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> I was like, Xavier immediately was so demeaning to Magneto where he was I like, know. Magneto was a little bitch and he attacked him unprovoked with no reason whatsoever. And I'm the better person and I'm going to go talk to Apocalypse and it's going to work which it won't and gene just goes i seriously doubt apocalypse is interested in our point of view and xavier says but opening a dialogue is the first step to a peaceful resolution that's literally what he says and i laughed because i was like no dude no like what a fucking centrist point of view like it is like a joke to me where it's like we just need to talk to republicans we just need to talk to the nazis it's like what are you fucking saying let's go and have a nice sit down conversation over tea with the cops that are in SWAT uniforms shooting people. Yeah, I think just have a work. conversation. And like, Jean is just like throwing up her hands like, are you fucking kidding me right now? And so then she's like, you should let at least let me go because at least two telepaths could have a better chance of communicating with him, which is like, yeah, maybe if both of you tried to brainwash him, it would work because he's not going to fucking talk to you. Also, bring Mesmero because he's not even on his side anymore. I know. Or Mastermind. There are four people who off the top of my head can go in there. Where's Emma Frost? She would be like, yeah, I'm just doing this. I'm mind wiping apocalypse done deal let's go get wanda in there i don't know do what do anything anyway so xavier takes her hand which i wrote gross i said the same thing like he's like, he's like oh gene my favorite he's like gene woman you of my dreams are beautiful and here's what i have to say if something should go wrong i need you here alongside the x-men and then he gets onto the jet and gene's like you're not coming back are you and he's like whatever happens you must be strong for everyone. And then Jean is like crying, which is like Yeah, she runs off sobbing. She is a kid basically and is fucking stressed out that Storm and Xavier are about to fucking die. Oh, uh, you know what's really funny? My note says please just let Xavier die. <laughs> Great news, he is actually going to die. For Unfortunately, he will be resurrected immediately, but we can yeah. treasure him dying while it happens. So then we go to the fucking Sphinx. Oh, God, these scenes are boring to me. I'm sorry. So then um, Apocalypse is teleported. There's like a whole section here where and... it's going to be a lot of the horsemen flying around. And I just yeah. did not pay attention. Honestly, it's, it was I really mean, boring. We aren't even there yet. So like the Sphinx starts rumbling and then it rises out of the ground and it's on top of a fucking massive pyramid that somehow nobody knew was there. It turns into a spaceship. <laughs> yeah. Right. Doesn't, it, doesn't he turn the Sphinx into a spaceship? I remember something like that happening. Inside of it, there's a whole bunch of like control panels and shit. I know that. By the way, this whole episode in the background is going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was like, yeah, oh yeah, boy. Absolutely. The music is back. It's back, baby. So then Storm is on the jet and she's like, we're entering Egyptian airspace. And then she pauses and then she's like, Charles, it's not too late to find another way. And Charles is like, I'm afraid it is too late. The longer we wait, the harder it will be to stop this, which that probably is true. But like, yeah. anyway. I don't know what Xavier is going to 
do by resolving it. He actually doesn't help the situation at all by going there. Also, that Sanchez I said made no sense. I don't know how Xavier's going to resolve this situation by talking to him is what I was trying to say. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely the wrong thing. And instead, what he's doing is bringing himself a very powerful mutant and Storm a very powerful mutant right into Apocalypse's hands right now, which is actually terrible. But anyway, Apocalypse pulls a bunch of giant levers at his like video game control room and then a bunch of energy flies out into his body and like beefs him up like with a bunch of steroids so he goes from being like sephiroth into being like yeah. the huge apocalypse tank that we are that familiar we know, with we know yes. i don't think he's wearing a big a on his belt this time though he's not but other than that he looks very similar like he has the huge square jaw and everything honestly it would be great if he was wearing a big a on his belt because i loved that for him yeah. he's doing this like i'm gonna conquer the world bullshit but also has this ridiculous belt on it's like it's a for apocalypse like, it's really funny it's very corny but i feel like it wouldn't fit the vibe of this episode which is too serious yeah um he also has this weird vision of what looks like a bunch of like bugs flying around in a vortex do you remember that i was like what is this vision no wait who has that vision apocalypse oh i was I guess like we'll never what is know. this animation like what is this this is uh, this is also about the point where the animation starts getting worse i don't know if you noticed that but there's parts yeah. of this where they just didn't have well, time rushed. to animate the frame so there's like a part where when the characters are running they start blipping across the screen anime style and it's like yeah. oh boy yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's not I their don't, fault. I, don't, I keep on screaming it's not their fault as if they're listening not. to our show. I know, but like, I don't actually think it was supposed to be bugs swirling around in a vortex. I feel like it was probably supposed to be an animation of something else. I don't know what it was. I think it was just supposed to show like the powers going into his body. I... Sure. I don't even remember seeing this, so I, you did a better job paying attention than I did. So then Xavier takes off his seatbelt. He's about to wheel off the jet and he's like, stay here, Storm. And Storm is like, are you fucking kidding me right now? And Xavier's like, like, if things go badly, I want you to just fly away. And Storm's like, I'm not leaving without you. So don't even ask me to do that because that's not fucking happening. So Xavier rolls out of the, the ramp of the jet with the Cerebro helmet in his head. And then I guess they're like remotely using Cerebro because like Storm Skypes with Beast. And she's like, OK, he put Cerebro on. I'm relaying the signal to you. And Beast is like typing some stuff. It's like really complicated. And Beast is like, yeah, I'm like installing Bluetooth on Cerebro. And now it has Bluetooth so he can fucking use Cerebro from hundreds of thousands of miles away. I don't really understand. I don't think that's possible it's it's the time period also all the x-men are still standing here and they, like it's it looks like that episode from x-men the animated series with all the morlocks in the background that didn't have faces that's what yeah. it looks like here and when you say they're standing here they're in cerebro so somehow i don't know how they're all standing there yeah so xavier's like beast tell the x-men not to enter cerebro because i want to die without them seeing it and beast is like oh it's too late they're already all in here and there's like 16 <laughs> children like in there watching but not the new mutants i don't even know where the new yeah. mutants are in this moment in time like they show up at the end they do so gene is like we're not gonna let you go through this alone professor and then xavier's like actually thanks everybody i'm really glad you're all here anyway i'm gonna go see if i can get apocalypse's attention which i don't understand this plan so uh, apocalypse flies out of the ground and xavier goes <gasps> yeah apocalypse is here he gasps dramatically and i'm like dude you knew and he's like apocalypse is here and he's muscular now that's what he's gasping at. and he's big and he's kind of sexy yeah like that's kind of xavier's thing okay so xavier's like they're having a whole mind conversation so this is not spoken but it's spoken in their heads in which mm-hmm. xavier says I am Charles Xavier, and Apocalypse is all like, I, I know. know who you are, bitch. You keep on visiting my don'ts <laughs> and poking them, you stupid 
prick. And Xavier's <laughs> like, but you know I've come here merely to talk about what you are planning. And Apocalypse is like, I am not planning. I am merely an instrument and destiny he's full on apocalypse now by the way yes yes although i like i enjoyed his dialogue here a little bit more i don't mind it i kind of like the voice actor's performance too it's like right it's not it's not corny it's like very matter of fact he's just kind of like yeah i'm here to do the thing that's it right and so he says he's an instrument of destiny and xavier goes destiny of destruction more like it and i was like oh my god xavier stop (laughs) and apocalypse is like i don't even understand what he said here i did not write down this line it's something about, I like, did. I did. He says the future came to me in that craft. I've embraced it and merged with its technology so that I may lead the evolution of the human race. Don't ask me what that means because <laughs> I don't know. I think that goes back to an earlier episode of the season where you and I were talking about the origin of Apocalypse and how it was. Was it the Eternals or the Celestials or something? Who? Yeah, the Celestials or something. I think it's actually the Celestials. It doesn't matter. It's an alien race that like gave him his powers. And and that some um, historical figure was also one of those aliens. Mm-hmm. And I think Kang the Conqueror was also there, like in the background, being like, "Whoopsie, this didn't work out." Okay, that's what it was. It was <laughs> Kang, right? Oh God, I can't remember. Sorry, listeners. It was really convoluted on this show, and I don't really remember, and I didn't pay mm-hmm. attention to that part. Well, they also combined a couple different things from apocalypse's backstory in order to make it simpler for the sake of the show which right. i actually thought was fine no i think that's fine too i just as in that monologue of beast was like i can't read this inscription and then he read it perfectly but i can read it and i will yeah i know so anyway xavier's <laughs> like the human race does not need your help and i have to protect them for some reason even though they want us queers to die and apocalypse goes since when has mankind ever known what it needs which fair point but also i don't think that we need a fascist leader who's going to kill most people and turn the rest into mutants, which may or may not work. Yeah. So, in theory, I agree with you, Apocalypse, but I don't. So, that, I mean, that was Magneto's whole deal. That was that's the plot of X Men Two Thousand. That's exactly what I was thinking for a lot of this episode. I was like, damn, that came out before this. So, I think they just took I know. from that. I think they did. So, Xavier turns around and he goes, "Someone's gonna stop you, bitch!" And Apocalypse is like, "Well, what I know is it's not gonna be by you, you dumbass." And so then everyone gasps. <laughs> Because everyone's watching this, they guess as Apocalypse lifts Xavier up telekinetically. And takes off Cerebro and crushes it in his hands, like, instantly. And everyone's screaming. Which is like, yeah, what did you think was going to happen? Like, this is so simple. I don't know. And then Storm flies out and she screams, leave him alone, in which the lightning sequences aren't even animated anymore. It just shows a panel of lightning. Like a light switch turning on and off really, really quickly is what happens. As the episode goes on, it goes more into the territory of demon budget which is actually pretty great i know so storm and xavier are moaning sexually before apocalypse teleports them away yeah they they get killed they turn into glitter just like magneto okay wait but everyone's watching this and i la- i shouldn't have laughed at this but i was laughing so hard not at xavier dying although i probably should have laughed at that yeah just like pyro watching the snuff film of magneto like you and i are now in the room watching xavier dying over yeah. and over like we're now the ones doing that like you kind of get where pyro was at at this point and Anyway, so Gene screams and runs out of Cerebro sobbing crazily. Yes. Which which is followed by the funniest animation of Scott, like, running (laughs) with his arms out after her. And I was like, this is supposed to be a serious moment. But, like, watching Scott flail behind her was, like, the funniest shit. 
that could have possibly happened because it's really he's like he's like come back jane i was like oh my god scott i loved it and i also felt like it was completely in character for him that he had no idea like should i touch her should i not and gene is like flinging herself around the hallway sobbing and scott <laughs> is like sort of following her but he's like uh and see, i actually really liked this for that i mean i i liked it also because it's so gene and scott whenever like, i know I, all i could think about was like jesus christ you two gene and scott are so much all the time all the time i know in every iteration because they're always screaming each other's names falling down crying they're so dramatic i mean it works better when they're like ages 16 to 18 because that's how they constantly act anyway yeah so right anyway so they're saying each other's names and then gene is like he knew this would happen i knew this would happen i should have stopped him and scott is like trying to rub her back awkwardly and he's like how gene the professor was going to do what he thought was right regardless of the risks and storm would never abandon him there was nothing you could have done and then eventually gene that's better than the line i wrote i wrote scott (laughs) says how in this show xavier doesn't listen to anyone and also storm doesn't have a role there was nothing you could have done (laughs) that's completely true so then gene sobs into his chest and the the scene ends there so what do you think i mean this is a question that you won't be able to answer and i guess we're just throwing it out there but so it was obviously their plan to make Storm and Xavier into horsemen. And I think their initial idea is kind of sort of played out here for Xavier in terms of how Apocalypse was going to capture him. I think it would have been through this confrontation that they had. But what yeah. do you think would have happened initially if there was a longer storytelling for Storm to get captured? Because I don't think it was going to go down this way. I think they just had to shoo it in there. I agree. But I don't know. I, I feel like it would have been really badass if Apocalypse had come to the mansion and kidnapped Storm there. Like the, I'm thinking of the fight scene between Mystique and Storm um, last season where Magneto was kidnapping everybody. Remember that? Yeah. Because we've even had storm be kidnapped before and fighting against mystique but i I don't feel like this show respects storm enough so i feel like it's entirely possible that she would have just been shoehorned in alongside xavier the first time around sadly i mean what they're doing is that they're taking all four parents of this show and putting that's right they're making them evil. And Logan is not a parent because Logan isn't responsible enough to be a Logan's parent. just also, I mean, Logan may be thousands of years, of years old, but really Logan's also kind of a child sometimes. So He really is because he doesn't actually remember anything that happened to him. So in a way, he's also only 18 years yeah, old. Yeah, I know. But also he has to stick around here because this gay shit's about to happen. Oh in which my Nick God. Fury shows it. up to the Love X mansion. And Logan's uh, basically like, why are you here, bub? Yeah, I feel like Logan's line here is is being like, Nick, I don't have time to hook up right now. Like, yeah. a bunch of people just died. And Nick Fury's like, I know, I know. That's actually why I'm here. It's also important <laughs> to note that only Nick is here. It's not all of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's just he came yes. here on his own to, like, basically warn them. And, like, against orders. Like, he's basically betraying the U.S. government by coming here. Right. And, like, using S.H.I.E.L.D. equipment and giving S.H.I.E.L.D. equipment to the X-Men. Well, because he doesn't want Logan to die. That's literally what's going to happen because like Nick's it. like he basically says that more mutants attacking Apocalypse will complicate the situation because they're yep. already taking measures. And Logan's like, well, what the fuck does that mean? So they walk into I don't know what room they're in now. Beast's office, I think, where he has like all of his computers and all the X Men are standing here again. Like all the X Men haven't left; they just start following Beast from room to room. I mean, wouldn't you? And so there's like, isn't this the scene where yes, fucking yes. like, like Logan comes in and he's like with Nick, and Nick's like, all right, pull up this thing, and Beast just gives him like the 
this catty little glare. It's like, what's going on here? Like, it's so funny. Like, Beast looks legit pissed off. They have not had any interactions until this moment. And I'm just like, why is Beast so angry all of a sudden? Unless... He's like mad that jealous. Yeah, that Nick Fury. Look, it's other hookup is here. Beast doesn't even know yet that Nick has been overseeing the Sentinel program. Like he doesn't even know. He's just mad for no reason. I know, I know. Because then Beast brings up an image of the Sentinels flying through Egypt. And Logan grabs Nick really sexually, and he's like, "They're maybe an inch away from kissing." And Logan's like, "You reinstated the Sentinel program. You just made a bigger mistake, bitch." And Nick is like. It was not even my choice to make. Basically, the government made me do this, and I hate it, so that's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. So basically, explains that the government put the Sentinels out there because the mutant centers would be able to target Apocalypse and kill him, yep. and they said it's the best defense they have right now, and the reason why Nick is there is he's like, if you went there, the Sentinels will also target and kill you, and I don't want you or your friends to die, so stay put, bitch. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And um, then we go over to a scene where we see the Sentinels just bombing the Sphinx, which I don't really know why that's helpful, but they basically destroy the Sphinx. And then Apocalypse floats out and the Sentinels are like, mutants, life signs confirmed. I know. And Apocalypse just destroys the Sentinels and which Beast then turns around in the cattiest voice possible. He's like, (laughs) that was your best defense. And Nick's just like, I don't even understand why he's so angry. He must be another guy that Logan's fucking, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And Nick Fury's like, like, that's actually our diversion. Um, and Logan's like, what does that mean? By the way, in the background, like 16 more X-Men are entering in the background. Like every <laughs> every single child in the mansion is in this room watching. Also characters we've never seen before, like fucking Emma Frost and Quinn Choir are here. And I wish Dupe. none of that was, none of that is true. <laughs> it would be really funny if Dupe just randomly if floated just by. they introduced all these characters, like in these final <laughs> episodes that they had like wanted to include. So Logan is like, what do you mean by diversion? And Nick is like, show the three domes and beast does that on like multiple screens and nick is like the new sentinels have had some modifications those flat cannons now release atomic subdividers so that the domes can no longer repel the attacks we should be able to breach them and then destroy those pyramids which like why do you need to destroy the pyramids Uh, okay maddie i'm glad you wrote that down because i wrote down nick explains it and it makes no fucking sense i don't i don't know but beast is like brilliant and i'm like why they're doing that thing that x-men the animated series did where they would just like make up words yeah it's like yeah you know atomic subdividers so obviously that's gonna work where nothing else did duh okay anyway but this is when we have a big reveal that apocalypse sees that or through his mind vision through his garnet future vision and he sees these sentinels are attacking the other domes so he gets pissy his eyes light up and down below the sphinx there's these four pillars which obviously for us are going to be the four horsemen and then we see Four shadowed figures walk across the room. We don't know who they are, but they all have very distinct profiles. Yeah, looks like I guess even if if you even if you couldn't figure it out that the first three were Storm, Mystique, and Xavier. Magneto's walking by with his helmet on, and it's like okay, well that's yeah. obviously Magneto and like his fucking cape and everything. It's like oh da yeah. and so <laughs> then they walk out, and everyone just gasps dramatically. And we see this quick pan by all the X-Men. And I want to make mention of this because Logan first says they're alive. As if I'm like, Logan, you're the person who dies all the time. This should not be shocking at all. Then Kurt says, what's he done to them? And in the background, there's a quick shot of him saying that. And Rogue and him looking at each other really worried. And I was like, oh, I love this. I love that they are still 
They're buddies. Brother and sister. They mm-hmm. see their mother. They see that she's still alive. And after all that shit, they're like, wait a second. Like, what do we even feel here? <laughs> yeah. And by the way, the reason why Kurt could be worried about that is because all these characters have blue glowing eyes and like face tattoos and stuff. Like they oh, yeah. don't look like themselves. And Xavier's also walking now because I guess one of his new powers is telekinesis, among other things. I was going to say, he's like flies around because in moments later, we're about to discover that he could create objects kinetically like Psylocke does. Yes. So I'm I'm just assuming that Xavier's like secret bonus power is like psionic blades and telekinesis i guess we don't really see anybody else's well we see mystiques in the next episode i think but really we don't see magneto or storm do anything different other than they create more tornadoes and move more metal that's all we see yeah they're basically just super powered versions of what they could already do right i mean but that's the thing magneto and storm are already omega level level omega level levels they're omega level mutants omega omega level level like what does that mean when they have even more power than i mean we already saw magneto rip a satellite out of the sky yeah magneto was already powerful enough to do basically whatever he wanted but xavier now has like 16 powers which is absurd right okay so basically we see the apocalypse has given the horse magic energy horses that come out of the wall yeah they all have magic red horses and they ride on these fucking horses and xavier shows up he flies around with his kinetic weapons and storm shows up in china they all each are defending a different pyramid and they like take these different portals to each pyramid i made a note here actually that storm is actually using her powers correctly now for the first time on yeah. the show yeah that's true. Uh, Magneto is in Mexico just whipping Sentinels around because that's it. And so then the Sentinels die and then Nick just smiles. He's like, okay, I'm out of options. Now you can take charge because it's almost as if Nick knew that the government's plan was going to fail. And he was just like, I want you to go fight Apocalypse, but also don't die first. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I it's sort of unclear because it's like, were the Sentinels supposed to destroy the domes? Because what keeps happening is that like a Sentinel will manage to destroy a dome but then the dome will just instantly come back as soon as the sentinel is killed by whichever um, mutant is there protecting each dome. So it's like, what was the point of the sentinels even being there? Did they do anything at all other than buy time? Like that was never clear to me. We'll we'll never know. We'll never know. So Logan then does this thing where he's like, he's like, all right, everyone, we need four teams, and these are the people who are going to be on these teams, and also see if you can find any other mutants that want to come fight him. And I I love that also for some reason they were like, this is the real deal because Logan's now not saying their names as Kitty or Curry. It's like, Nightcrawler, you're on this time. Shadowcat, you're on this team. I'm like, I think this is the first time on the show that anyone has called Kitty Shadowcat. I think that's true. I think it's the first and only time she's gotten that name used. Ever, ever. And it's funny because he still says Gene. (laughs) I don't know if you noticed that. Well, Gene doesn't have a code name on this. I know. They don't call her Marvel Girl, which I'm kind of okay with. I don't know why her name was ever Marvel Girl. I don't either. But she's not Phoenix either, obviously. Although I do like the idea that Jean is like, I don't need a code name because I'm just awesome. Yeah. Her code name is Jean. She's Jean. I mean, he does turn to Rogue and he says Rogue's going with him because he has a secret special mission for her that we don't see in this episode. Yeah, we don't. And it's just that Rogue is going to save everybody's lives at the end. <laughs> I don't know how, but she is. Yeah. So Kitty's assignment 
or Shadow Cat's assignment was to go ask the Brotherhood to help. Her name's not Kitty anymore. It's Shadow Cat. That's right. Not Pixie or Sprite or any of those other names it could possibly be. It's Shadow Cat. Yeah. So she goes to the Brotherhood house and we get to see a little um, conversation between her and Lance. And Lance yeah. is basically like, yeah, fuck that. I'm not helping you. And Kitty's like, <laughs> come on, Lance. At least ask the others. And Lance kind of looks over his shoulder. He's like, hey, you guys feel like going to Mexico and fighting Magneto? And then we like see a quick shot of Pietro like blowing a ping pong ball into the air over his face (laughs) which is funny and Fred is asleep on the couch in his heart printed boxers and Toad is drawing a mustache on his face which they're just adorable they're just goofing I mean they're just all the same they don't even answer they're just all like doing their own bullshit and then Lance is like see I told you they don't care we're not gonna do this and Kitty's like seriously after everything I just told you and Lance is like fuck no we don't want to deal with this just let him turn all the people to mutants I don't see what the problem is here. (laughs) (laughs) Which honestly, Lance has a fair point. (laughs) So, so he leaves and the doors open a little bit and Wanda's coming down the stairs. Yes. And she looks really concerned. Lance is like, what? Don't tell me you want to go fight with your own father. And Wanda's like, I don't know why, but I kind of do. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't say that. Instead, she just has this look on her face like, I kind of do. And I don't quite know why but i do and then she opens the door and looks at kitty who's like walking away and kitty turns around and then wanda leaves the house and like goes towards her and we're like okay so wanda's coming along good well yeah of course because wanda is an avenger wanda's a good character so well i mean they all are but yeah as good as she as wanda could be because it's wanda and we don't know how stable she'll remain before she loses her memories and kills people but or at least mind washes them. Mm-hmm. But for the purposes of this, she is like, I actually do kind of want to figure out what the fuck happened. Right. And also, like, I like that Wanda, especially in this season. I mean, like in season two, when they introduced her, they were making her this badass bitch. And then in season three, she just kind of left all the X-Men, all the Brotherhood to go hunt for Magneto. And she was not really on either of their sides at that point. Mm-hmm. And now in season four, every single time we've seen her, she's like, I don't want to be doing any of this. She's like, I don't agree with the Brotherhood's doing. That whole episode where the Brotherhood were creating accidents. Yeah, and like scamming people and stuff. Yeah, and Wanda's like, I don't want to do that. And then when Kurt comes to like take Mystique back when she's a statue, Wanda's like, yeah, sure. You know, take Mystique. And then Kirk goes to Wanda. He's like, hey, can you hook me up with that? Get the heart. And she's like, yeah, Wanda is not a bad guy. She may be goth as fuck, but. Yeah, she's definitely closer to the X-Men side of things than not. But like, she is a lone wolf, essentially. Like, I see her as having no allegiance besides her own, like, solving the mystery of her life. Yeah. And even though I do think that this is subtly saying that she does want to fight her dad, that's not the way it's depicted in the next episode because she keeps on screaming daddy repeatedly when he's trying to kill her. And I was like, oh, God. But I do think that ultimately Wanda is going with the X-Men because she will eventually become a hero. She mm-hmm. is an Avenger. Anyway, that's the most we get from Wanda for now. So then, uh, oh, by the way, Logan asked Nick to get a bunch of uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. Helijets and Nick did that somehow. So that's cool. Yeah. So there's like a final five minutes of this episode that can be summed up in like two sentences. And it's really fucking boring because it's basically like the Sentinels are attacking domes and it seems to be working effectively. And then Magneto rips them apart. Storm defeats some Sentinels. She whips them away with a tornado. I don't even understand how Xavier was doing things he was doing. They reveal that the pyramids are under the domes. The domes go away. And it's like then Beast has a line where he's like, hey, the horsemen have had their powers advanced and they make them all super powerful. And if we are careful, we're all going to die. 
Uh, we see Mystique like camouflaging into the ground now because she can do that and also turn into like mud, I guess. Yeah. And like tur- she turns into like multiple scorpions instead of just one scorpion. This is and this is like literally five minutes long. I was so bored. I was I like, know, I kept writing stuff down thinking it was going to matter. And then I was like, I guess it doesn't. I guess it, it doesn't. It does not matter. It doesn't. It's like it really, truly reminds me of the season of Young Justice where it got canceled, where I was like, I love this show, but I don't like what's happening here because it's suddenly just canceled. And what I'm watching is just people twirling around in the sky. So many fight scenes. And it's like supposed to be really badass and cool. But instead, it's just like, I don't know. It's like different shots of each of those four characters fighting a sentinel again. And it's like, I don't care at all. So then it shows all these different helicopters dramatically touching down in front of each base and and the first one has Gene, Magma, Multiple Man, Colossus, and Boom Boom on the helicopter. I'm going to make a note that Boom Boom is wearing her Babel Sirens outfit, which is great. It is great. It is great. All these other characters are wearing these costumes. The X-Men costumes. And Boom Boom's like, this is the only outfit I have. And also, I've secretly been a Babel Siren this whole time, even if you guys quit. Like, she just doesn't give a fuck. That's her energy. Then Logan shows up with Cyclops and Kurt at a different location. And at another location, Berserker, Beast, Iceman, and Spike is here. So I didn't remember him even being here, probably because he doesn't do much or have any lines for the remainder of the show. Mm-hmm. Kitty, Sunspot, Cannonball, and Angel are with what and Wanda. And I was like, by Wait. the way, that's not Cannonball. I thought it was Cannonball too, but I checked the X Men Evolution wiki, and it's actually supposed to be Alex Summers. Isn't that crazy? I don't think it is. I think is it, it is because he's really tan. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you might be right. I don't know. We'll look at it when we see the next well, episode. Well, we're going to see what powers he uses. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, maybe you're right. Okay, but I also like how they were like, we're bringing back all the characters on the show, except not all of them, because some of them are still not here. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, well, it's because there's still so like, many new mutants. That you where's Gambit? Where's Jubilee? Where's fucking <laughs> Sabretooth? Like, where's, I don't know, like, I, 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 whatever. Pyro? Yeah, Pyro's doing jack shit. Pyro is doing absolutely nothing right now. Mastermind, Mesmero. I was just like, why are these the characters that are here? Like, bring back all the Morlocks. Where's X-23? Okay, I thought X-23 was going to be there and she's not there. She's going to appear at the very end of this show, like in a flash forward situation. I feel like it would have been really cool if they had just animated every single character for real. I hope that this show gets a continuation and when it does, they just pretend these two episodes didn't happen happen <laughs> yeah i mean, I mean that's, I, kind I, of what, that's kind of what young justice did when young justice got picked up later to be on a streaming service they were just like we're not even going to acknowledge anything that happened in those last two episodes they don't they just like pick it up and do something else entirely different and they're like we know how this ended we know we said but like none of that matters anymore <laughs> well i feel like the difference too is that x-men evolution doesn't pretend that it is the ending next episode i mean i haven't watched it again yet but i I feel like it still allows for the idea of having the Phoenix happen and like all that stuff. It's not like everybody dies at the end or something. You know what I mean? Like, no, it- but I am going to, I am going to spoil you and say the very final scene of this is Xavier being like, I saw into the future and this is what I saw. And we basically see clippets of things that they wanted to put in the show, but couldn't. And that's including Gene turning into the Phoenix. Yeah. You've told me that before. And like, I, I don't know. I don't see why that couldn't still happen. Oh, by the way, we're at the end of the episode, guys. I didn't even like just state that. I was like, 
I blew through the final six scenes because I was honestly bored by them. I know. It's funny that Warren is here. Like, randomly, Warren is the character that they're bringing back. Like, okay, sure. But he's still beautiful. Don't worry. He does actually look incredible. I'm not going to lie. He looks great. Yeah, Um, he does. So, I don't know how to rate this episode. I feel like it's almost unfair to rate it at all. I know. Do you know what I mean? Like... I, okay, so in term, I'll give it two ratings. So the first rating is in terms of like how we'd rate any episode. It's like really like a one or a two out of five X's. However, I am willing to give it a higher rating because they tried. They tried yep. to do what they could with what they were given and the time constraints they were given. And it, it kind of only makes it up to a three out of five. Same. And, That's exactly what I was going to give it. Yeah. Right. But it could have been like a four out of five if it had time to properly tell the story, because I think there's some concept ideas here that would have been really great to see. Like what would have happened to storm? How would have she become a horseman? I do believe that the way Xavier became a horseman is the way that was going to go down. Yeah. I wanted to see what else was going to happen with the reinstatement of the Sentinel program and how that was going to affect the Mm X-Men and how Nick Fury would have truly really like diverted from shield and gone rogue to help the x-men yeah i want to see like how rogue and kurt resolve things with their mom because in the end of the next episode they don't basically yeah they don't have time i mean how could they possibly have time right and like also what makes spike the join the team again for this it would obviously be for storm right and then like bring back the other characters that were supposed to be here how would have this particular story with apocalypse led into season five with the dark phoenix and the introduction of the hellfire club or some sort of like fire named i don't know what the fuck they call it called they can't call it the circle club again though <laughs> but the point is that they have all these great concept here that i would love to have seen more of and we don't get to see it on this show because it got canceled and i feel like they are just giving us the bare minimum of what they could do like, what was this concept of Gene leading the team? I would have loved to see that show. Yeah, I right? mean, I feel like that that's part of why I'm going to give it a three, because I feel like they, they decided a couple of things that they really wanted to achieve here. And one of them was they wanted to give give Gene something. Anything. And since almost no show ever has tried to do that, and this show has really given Gene a lot to do, and I appreciate that, I like that they are spending their final episode on that and being like Jean doesn't get to have her dark phoenix story so we're gonna give her something and and it's not much but like Jean gets a lot of lines in this episode and like a lot of moments i would argue that the dialogue in this is actually still pretty good considering that it was it is they had to sew this all together clunkily and oh like another point like what was gonna happen with wanda remembering that she hated her father you know what I mean? Yeah, that was the other thing that I was going to mention is like they they clearly made Jean the priority, but they also were like, we want to try to bring Wanda back into the mix. They didn't spend as much time on Spike, which is sad, but like Spike did get his own whole episode. Wanda really hasn't had that. And I think they were planning to do something like that for her and they just didn't ever get right. to. Yeah. And I don't know, like the few scenes that we do get, I really like. I like this for Nick Fury, like the sort of climax of his storyline with logan i like beast's little catty lines those are fun i even like the apocalypse monologue that they wrote even though it's super vague and i don't understand what the domes are i like the writing there it was really simplistic but it's fine and i like lance and kitty's scene i thought lance and kitty got one more little moment which i was like that's fun for them i like this for them you know i like that too i also enjoy I, I don't enjoy Xavier as a character, but I do appreciate that the scenes that he had, he was still 
just like they full on just let him be an asshole. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know what? We don't like Xavier on the show, and we <laughs> d- we we clearly don't agree with Xavier's views. So we're just gonna write him as really aggressive and sort of mean, and also like delusional. Like I would say it is delusional that he goes to right. apocalypse. Like, he's delusional. And he's basically like, if I suck up to this person, he'll agree with me. And it's like, yeah, that didn't work. And instead, you put everyone in danger and became this horrible guy with superpowers who's gonna kill them like that's awful yeah yeah oh, well I, I do feel like the dialogue was really good for xavier in this even though he was a dick but that's the xavier we knew and i i'm glad they didn't stray away from that concept yeah i liked all the dialogue i felt like probably what they really had to rush was the storyboarding for the fights because the pacing of those scenes and yeah like the animation was not very good because they didn't have time to animate anything so basically any scene without dialogue like all the times where apocalypse was like you know landing a spaceship again or like using the control panel and i like didn't understand visually what was happening like those things are the worst parts of the episode which makes sense i mean it's like those parts are the parts that are harder to do and and need a little more effort and like another pass or like a longer look like is this visually confusing should we think about this more but i like all the dialogue you know i liked it i do too so like here's the thing season four episodes one through seven were i would argue every single one of them we really liked i thought they were all really good yeah almost all of them were fives or fours like and like they were really intense and really good and i'm looking at the release schedule of when this happened because it was in october of 2003 that they aired these last two episodes but cajun spice and ghost of the chance they were all a week apart so they really really had like no time like they at some point they were like making cajun mm-hmm. spice and ghost of a chance and they were told that they were, were gonna be canceled yeah like those things were probably in the process of being animated while they were writing these last two episodes which is really sad because right. you can tell cajun spice and ghost of a chance are both setting up entire relationships that were going to continue yeah and that's part of why this is so sad because it's like we were only just getting started in so many ways. I think I remember this being around the same weekend as my birthday because it was October 25th and my birthday's on the 28th. And I was like, mm-hmm. yay, X-Men Evolution's on and discovering that this is that it was ending. And then also like this is what they were doing. And I was like, yeah, wow, what a bad birthday present for me. <laughs> They did it on purpose to fuck with you. That was why. Yeah. Anyway, X-Men Evolution, great show. I know. Uh, We don't have any character spotlights, but we can say that there's some gayness in here. There's still time for that. (laughs) The X-Men Is obviously Nick Fury and Logan Beast and Logan. Oh my god! And their weird little threesome and their cattiness towards each other. I loved and it. Like, almost to the point where Beast knew of Nick Fury being like Logan's main hookup besides Sabretooth. Like he seemed jealous. Like there's not another way to read that moment where Beast sees Nick and he's like, "Oh, Nick's here." And there's also a line where Logan is like, "It's okay, Hank." Like that line is in there where Logan is like, "It's all good." I don't know what that's about, but it's really funny. I really enjoy that in every iteration of X-Men that we've watched, Logan is really gay with Sabretooth, Nick Fury, and Beast, and it's to the point where I'm like, 
Huh. I didn't really realize how intense this was. However, <laughs> I will point out that this is funny that we're watching this episode now because the last episode we recorded for the other podcast, Warcraft Valley, where Katie and I are reading those old fan fictions, mm-hmm. there was like this whole dramatic scene where Logan got in a fight with a whole bunch of people because him and Rogue were fighting and Gambit were fighting, that the Avengers had to intervene and Nick Fury. And then it said in the next entry where they're like, we couldn't find Logan, but then we found him naked in Nick Fury's bed. And I was like, yeah, that oh, tracks. Oh my god and i i don't know what they're gonna do for the mcu in terms of like logan's relationship with nick fury because i believe that the nick fury that samuel L. jackson that they use from the ultimate universe that now exists in the main universe i think is nick fury's son mm. so like mm-hmm. would they just combine those two characters into one character or would logan have known his dad or they have a flashback where like logan was with his dad i don't know i do feel like this version of nick fury in the mcu is going to be one that logan does know on some level and is has that relationship with who knows? Or or it just turns up that like Nick Fury goes back to his home in that new Nick Fury show, and it's just like, here's my two dads, Wolverine and the other Nick Fury. <laughs> I would love that, by the way, even though Logan is probably a deadbeat dad. Oh, yeah. Um, also, to take it back to this show, I feel like even the version of it that is like not homoerotic is still cool because it's basically Beast being like, I don't trust the U.S. government, and I never have, so... Nick Fury walking in here, I'm just already against it, which is also like kind of queer in its own way because he's basically like, this is my house and you've outlawed our existence. You get to leave and I'm going to stay with my boyfriend Logan here and continue protecting my queer family. You know what I mean? Like, I still yeah, like that yeah. meaning of his his look at Nick as well, where he's just like, no, fuck you, your government, you have to get out. And Nick is the one who has to be like, okay, I know I'm like the straight oppressor here, but hear me out. I'm on your oh, side. But also, Nick, Nick's <laughs> not a straight oppressor. He like literally bails. Well, he has to prove himself though, you know? Like he has to come in and be but, like, yeah, okay. Because he came in and gave them information. He's like, yo, they are going to launch the Sentinel program, which I didn't authorize, yeah. but they're forcing me to. So I just fucking left. Like there's nobody here with yeah, me. Yeah, and I'm going going to steal a bunch of helicopters and give them to you like that's the extent to which i'm an ally i am like really putting my money where my where its mouth is like fuck that i'm doing this for you yeah i agree agree. and it's also important (laughs) to note that that's always been part of nick fury's character is that he is he's an ally he is not an oppressor whatsoever he he will break the law if he thinks that the law is morally wrong Yeah. yeah he will be like no i do i do what i think is right not just what's legal right um, which is cool. Yeah. I like that for him. And I, I don't know. I, he's barely on the show, but I like the way he's written. I think it's fun. No, I agree. And that's kind of like S.H.I.E.L.D. in general. is like, because like they have all these points of authority who will switch around and who's running S.H.I.E.L.D. oftentimes between Nick Fury and Maria Hill. And both of them are like, uh, yeah, we don't agree with the government, so we're not going to do this. And most of the, sh- the soldiers at S.H.I.E.L.D. are kind of like, yeah, <laughs> samesies, so let's all bounce. I don't know. Shield is just like totally rogue, it seems. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> they have like a real men in black vibe going on where they're like, we don't answer the government because they don't, they ask way too many questions. So we're just going to like mind wipe them and not worry about it and do our own thing. <laughs> um, also, uh, it doesn't really matter, but I like that Amara and Boom Boom are on the same team. They don't get to hold hands or anything, but I was like, Amara totally also. went and recruited Boom Boom. There's no way anybody else on this team managed to do that. Amara was just like getting the phone call while she was in bed with boom boom and she's like hey i have to go find a mutant that is gonna like kill everybody we're all gonna die anyway so do you want to (laughs) come i know you know that there's a line in the next episode where boom boom after they all finish the battle with apocalypse she's like this was a sweet party thanks for the invite (laughs) 
love And she her. says it to Amara. She says it to Amara who she's putting her arm around. So be prepared for that. I love them. I love them. Oh my God. And I'm glad they're on a team together. I'm sad that X23 isn't here. I'm just going to go ahead and say that Warren is gay just because he's physically present. Because <laughs> he's just there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, if you make that argument, well, I think Iceman's gay because he's also there. That's a great point. And also Wanda and Kitty are gay and they totally hooked up before they went on the mission. Yeah, totally. Ugh. Man, <laughs> that's it, I guess. Uh, that's this episode. Well, this has been a, an episode of The Mutant Ages. This is a show where we review every adaptation. I don't know why I'm saying this. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess we're on to plugs, I guess. Where's Pluggy? Is Pluggy here? No. Wow, still no I Pluggy. I just like go, no. No, no. It's, it's been a while. I That's because it's not summertime, and he seems to get in when I have the windows open, but when the windows are shut, he can't fly in and... You know, he just keeps on thunking against the window like birds. <laughs> and he's like, hello, hello. <laughs> and he's like, hello. I want to fuck you. I want to fuck Logan. And I'm like, yo, you're a butt plug. You're not supposed to be fucking anyone. You're supposed to keep things like nice. Yeah, and... you're just supposed to sit there. And, yeah, like, like why, why the are you fucking? I feel like I think Plugging the butt plug has a complex where he wishes he was a dildo. Yeah, like Plucky goes in and he like twirls around and it's like, why is this happening? I don't know if that's... <laughs> like spinning yeah. around in there. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, we're so gross. We are. We're disgusting. Anyway, mutantages.com. Really cool URL. Also, themutantages.com, by the way. Either one will take you to our wonderful SoundCloud page, which is full of links, full of episodes, and you can find uh, all the information there about how to contact us for our listener feedback episodes. We've got an email. We've got the mutant ages at gmail.com. We have a link to our Discord server. I recently created groups on the Discord server to try to organize the chat rooms in a slightly more comprehensive way. So that's that's a big perk. Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I, I love that. And then immediately after, I was like, thank you. And then I moved some around. Oh, no, of course. <laughs> I just I started and then I was like, I don't know if this makes sense. But anyway, our Discord so organized, so beautiful. Please join. It. And we also have a voicemail inbox, 1-508-319-1668. You can leave us a message about whatever you want, and we will play it on our listener feedback episodes. And of course, we have a P.O. Box for physical mail. That's P.O. Box 3344, Natick, Massachusetts, 01760. And you can uh, send us Mr. Sinister action figures. People have actually done that at this point. People have sent us action they have. figures. And we got to do another unboxing. We do. I've got a couple things here that have come through the P.O. box. And we love them. I've got some of the stuff that was sent to me or sent to us on a shelf in my little X-Men closet. I have an X-Men closet now. Yeah, somebody sent me tea. It was amazing. Oh, that was Bobo Teat. Thanks, Bobo Teat. It was great. It was wonderful. We have such great fans. Um, So what else do we have? We have every social media. That's true. Uh, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. We're the Mutant Ages on every single place you can imagine. I'm at Mitty Myers on all those places. Ryan's on them too. Go for it. I'm at Ryan Pagella on Twitter and at Ryan.Pagella on Instagram. You could also find me on YouTube under if you google or google if you youtube ryan pagella will pop up but the name of the channel is ryan's theme park theme parks and adventures so if you check that out also important to find on youtube is the mutant ages where we 
are posting all sorts of content there. We do our monthly live stream there where we read different screenplays that have not been produced about the X-Men. We just did the primer for the Dazzler script, which was nice and easy for once. Yeah, we got to do that in just one episode. And and by the way, we have uh, Todd and Rye T and Katie guesting on those, helping us out with reading all the different characters. And it's so fun. That's right. Just in case people didn't know how awesome those videos are, you should check them out. They're pretty great. There's also other videos on there like us playing through every X-Men video game and times where I take clips from this show, match it up with the cartoons, and there's also fun parodies on there, so it's a good time. Make sure you go hit that subscribe button over there if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. What else? What else? How else can they help us? Who are we? What are we? Who am I? Well, if you can afford to support us financially, you could go check out our store, our Teespring store, where we sell um, Bishop jumping out of the bushes, bushes yelling that time travel is real on a t-shirt, tote bag, mask, phone case, all kinds of stuff. And we have the Mutant Ages logo on those things. Very classy looking Mutant Ages phone case, by the way. I was just looking at those phone cases the other day. Oh, yeah. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Um, So you can check out our Teespring store. Or if you want, you could go to patreon.com slash the Mutant Ages and get all kinds of bonus episodes. We just recorded one about Shang-Chi and because uh, Ryan finally saw it. Wonderful movie. We did a bonus episode about that. Hell yeah. And we have lots of old bonus episodes about some DC movies and shows and some Marvel movies and shows and other stuff we happen to watch like the Goonies or whatever we feel like recording an episode about. There's a whole big backlog there. Yeah. And uh, we also uh, give a shout out every week to our highest tier Patreon supporters. That's right. We have gone and we have recruited Samuel B, <laughs> Somin, Soren B, and Zach S yes! to come join us and fight Apocalypse alongside all these other characters. Oh, I thought you were going to say we recruited them as our four horsemen because there's four of them. Oh, shit! <laughs> Damn, I know. <laughs> Ryan just, I like how I could have moved away from the microphone no, screen, but I actually leaned in, in closer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they will have to tell us if they were blessed by Apocalypse or cursed by Apocalypse, what would their superpowers be? But they're terrifying and we love them. Thank you so much, the four of them. Thank you for supporting this show. Yeah. And hey, if you can't afford to support the show, we appreciate you still. We know what that's like. And um, we do hope, though, that you will review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Facebook actually lets you review stuff and uh, share the show with your friends on your personal social media or whatever way you want to share it and tell people to check it out because uh, we want people to find it and listen to it who might like it. And that's that. That's our show. That's that. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time for the conclusion of X-Men Evolution, followed by a quick read-through and our summaries of the X-Men Evolution comics and a wrap-up of this series. Yes. And then we'll do a listener mail. Yeah. So start sending in those questions. Yes, please. Like this question that I already have seen pop up in today's chat that says, is the crystal on Mr. Sinister's head a jack-off crystal? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Wow. Bye. Love our fans. The Mutant Ages.